you big strong man. Uncle Sam needs your help again. Got himself in Welcome back to Tracking Our History, a feature of the United States Marine Corps Vietnam Tankers Association. This is episode 32 with a very special guest, Jerry Hearn. In today's episode with Jerry Hearn, you will hear several stories. One very deadly, one very strange, and some in between. Jerry served multiple tours in the NAM, which contributes to more of an opportunity to have these unusual stories. Jerry also had a bit of a meteoric rise in ranks. So, let's get into this podcast. Welcome aboard, Jerry. I'm glad we finally caught up with each other. How are you? I'm well. I'm very well. Thank you. Good, good. So, Gary, share with our audience your immediate life just before you entered the Marines and perhaps a little bit about your boot camp experiences. Okay. Um, the, I grew up in, in uh, two trailers in the San Joaquin Valley, predominantly, uh, California, Nevada, and Utah. Mm-hmm. My family owned a heavy construction company, and... Most people who don't know heavy construction wouldn't wouldn't appreciate that uh, moisture content on a project. Uh, if you're putting down concrete or pavement, the the it's always overlaid by rock and dirt, and moisture content is, is critical. And we'd get someplace it'd be nice and sunny, and we'd be there. We're going to be in there for three or four months project, and two weeks later it rain, and we'd have to go someplace else mm-hmm. where we could we could restart and so we we traveled traveled a lot um i uh um hardly went to school there were never any place long enough for me to even check into school for the most part um and to once once we'd get to a school as a as a young kid i'd run into somebody like a a doyle dykes who was a a bully Mm -hmm. big kid big second grader from texas no. who was uh, pushing around a first grader that I'd met no. in this trailer court and uh and so fought a lot. It wasn't I wasn't very old when I decided that I didn't decide. I just uh got to where I would find the bully and let's get it on. I I try not to do that nowadays. <laughs> there's not so many bull- <laughs> there's not so many bullies out there, but we traveled yeah. around, uh had a lot of addresses. Uh we I was uh Fifteen years old when we moved moved into our second rented house, oh. and uh, we we had one in Reno was our first. Our second was in Salt Lake City, and uh, um, I I I it was a state that wasn't well suited because of the because of some of the the Mormon rules. Mm-hmm. It wasn't well suited. For a kid who who wasn't going to school, who wasn't attending school, I mean, it was a big deal, and yeah. and anybody walking the street who'd see me say, look at me, and go, ah, oh, kids, uh, how come he's not in school? And, and it was just a, it was not a fun place to be. Yeah. And uh, I had I had a couple of friends, not many. We were there probably. Uh, I want to say we might have been there. Probably twelve or thirteen months total time, and uh, I'd had a couple a couple of good buddies, and and uh, one day I one one day one of my my buddies said, you know what, 
I think I'm going to go in the Marine Corps. I know he said, he said I'm going to go into service. And I said, oh, really? And, and my dad had been in the Navy. I'd always figured I'd go in the Navy. And I, mm-hmm. I said, well, hey, I, well, I'll tell you, I'm not doing anything that's any good for me right now. I'll go down with you. And, and so we, we went into the recruiter's office. I, I made the long walk to the end of the hall to the Navy recruiter and my buddy Nick, Nick Black. He, he went into the first door there where the recruiter was and, and, uh, we chatted with them and, and then went away, and then several days later we came back, mm-hmm. and we come back in, and and again I'm uh, I walk past the door of the the Marine recruiter's office, and Nick steps up to it. The recruiter opens the door for him and says, "Come on in, Nick," and I can hear that recruiter say, "Hey, who's your buddy?" <laughs> Nick says, "That's Jerry. That's my buddy Jerry." Yeah. So really, where's he going? He said, he's, he's going down to the Navy. And he said, he's, he's going to go in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And the recruiter said, oh, really? Introduce me. Recruiter steps out into the hall, crosses his arms, has that look that uh, I'm going to say probably 30 to 50% of the Marine recruits <laughs> have seen before. Oh, yeah. And he, 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 he gazed at me from, from tip to toe. Said, well, probably just as well. I don't think you could make it in Marine Corps. Oh my God! <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And uh, well, the rest is history. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Nick never went. Never went in. Oh no! I didn't. That, no, he didn't. That's he, interesting. He didn't. He didn't. He, no, he didn't. He didn't go in. But anyway, anyway, so I yeah went went off to boot camp. Um, a little continuation of my trailer court life. Uh, it was our probably, I, I can't remember how they broke out the sections, but it was not graduation, but it was about two weeks before, two to three weeks before graduation. So I'm going to say it was, right. and I think we were, we were 10 or 11 weeks. Right. Uh, was our, was our, our, our boot camp tour or rotation. Right. And, uh, a couple of weeks before that, we we were having a junk on the bunk. So, and Marine Corps Marines know that to be a major inspection. inspection right. And uh, you didn't pass that, you were in deep trouble. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, we we were we we'd, we'd all gone to the mess hall, and and I mentioned the inspection because. Because it was so critical, some guys were faster and some guys were slower at getting their stuff together. So what they'd instructed us was to get, you know, once we got three or four guys, three or four Marines, boots, mm-hmm. out in our gathering area, somebody take charge and get them over to the, take us over to the, the, the Quonset hut and, and, uh, so that we, you know, we weren't holding anybody up. So right. I'm standing in that, in that group and there's, uh, Chuck Morris, who was our platoon guide, great guy, he was there, and there mm-hmm. two or three other Marines there, mm-hmm. and then a guy named Michael Anderson. And Michael Anderson had come to our platoon from an, another platoon. Actually, he came to our platoon after having spent 30 days packing sand from one pile mm-hmm. over on the levee at at uh MCRD yep. to to the other end of the levee 
mm-hmm. with two other fellows. Uh, those two, the, the sad thing was the two other fellows, um, doggone it all of a sudden, I've, I've, I've lost their name and that just saddens me. Mm-hmm. They were two young black kids mm-hmm. and uh, one of them was Willie. Willie was about five seven, weighed about probably two fifteen, wow. and and what he he was a refrigerator. Yeah, he was a beast, and he was. It wasn't long to know that Willie was a gem of a guy, yeah. gem of a guy. If somebody couldn't, if somebody was was having trouble with a on a run or any other issue, Willie was there to help. Wow. The other other young black kid was a was a, a little skinny kid, but uh, just another gem of a guy. And they'd come to our platoon with this Michael Anderson. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was Anderson. I mean, he he'd he'd gone over. He'd had the opportunity to to pack sand because from someone in his platoon, and it was him. Uh, instead of, instead of going over to the head in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. peed in the bucket, went to the back of the Quonset, pitched it out, pitched the pee out, oh. and it went back in the, into the Quonset, and the, the, the guard that was on duty spotted him, oh, ran into the Quonset, had, couldn't ID him, and says, hey, hey, who was it? Somebody did this, and who, who, who was it? Well, Anderson pointed out these two black guys black kids mm-hmm. and said it was them it was them well they took all three of them they took the two black kids willie i can't remember the other one michael mm-hmm. and then michael anderson they took all three of them and they blew sand now they're back into our platoon mm-hmm. and again we're we're now getting ready to to, to do this job and i i'm standing there formation and uh a couple of fellows, a couple of Marines, boots from Anderson's original platoon come walking by and he steps out of formation. There's only four of us there, five mm-hmm. of us. And he steps out of formation and goes over and starts talking to these guys. And, and the, the platoon guy, Jack Morris says, Hey, hey, Anderson, get, get back in formation. You're going to get us in trouble. Yeah. And he says, Hey, these are my buddies. I'm going to talk to them if I want to. Oh. And I would, you know, I just, I didn't say anything for a bit. And then finally I said, Anderson, you're going to get all of us in trouble, not just you. Get back in formation. Yeah. And he, he walked over to me and kind of squared up with me and he said the magic word. Uh oh. Fa. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he got out of his mouth was fa. And I, I hit him. He went down on his, straight down on his knees, bent over backwards, and they helped him up. And as soon as I hit him, I knew, oh, crap. That was not the right thing to do. And I I didn't even look at my right hand, didn't even look at it. It was, uh, I I knew I had made a mistake, a serious mistake. So... They get Anderson up. They say, let's, let's get over to the barracks. They get over there. And as soon as we, as soon as we get back to the, to the Quonset, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in mine and I'm trying to hide this hand. Can't, can't do it. Yeah. He's, uh, one of the, 
one of the, the junior drill instructors, DIs comes in and says, hey, her, get to the, get to the drill instructor's office now. Mm-hmm. So I, I go over there and I walk in and, you know, the, and, and the problem is, and, and Marines will know this up on the door of, of those quonsets, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, 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 a square piece of wood that has the senior drill instructor and the drill instructor's names on them. Right. And the purpose for that big piece of wood being there, when you got there, you went with your, your right hand, you got up there and you went, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Sir, Private Hearn, platoon 155, request permission to enter the drill instructor's office, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and well, um, oh, crap. That was torture. But I did it. <laughs> I go in. I'm standing at attention, my hand on my side, and the drill instructor says, all right, let me see your hand. So I dutifully put up my left hand. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, you dumbass. Let me see your right hand. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I hold my hand out, and he says, you hit Anderson. He said, you hit Anderson. And I said, sir, no, sir, I did not. I cut this on the wash rack. When we were washing washing our trays after lunch or you know, after a meal after mess, and uh, he says, "Well, that's funny." Michael Anderson said he cut his face on the corner of a wash rack too. <laughs> he says, "You're going to the brig," oh. and that was like I said, it was, it was probably ninth week. Yeah. So I spent the next two weeks. Well, and. What, what, actually what happened too, as soon as I said that and they, uh, they, the first thing they said, get over sick thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I went over sick thing. I came back with what looked like a white bowling ball. The, uh, the, it was, it was the biggest band-aid I've ever seen in my life. It was, it if it wasn't bowling ball size, it was real close. Yeah. And so from then on out, I'm, when they'd go do any of them, do any of the, the, the run, they would, when they'd do a, go on a run or when they'd go do PT or any, any of that, mm-hmm. I would take my foot locker, put it at the, the front door of my, my hut yeah. and wait for somebody to, one of the, somebody to come from the brig to take me off to the brig. That's what was supposed to happen. Wow. Well, that went on for probably three weeks right up to, the day before graduation, mm-hmm. and our company gunnery sergeant comes walking up, and I stand up at attention, and he says, ah, so you're the tough guy. You're the tough guy, huh? And I said, sir, no, sir. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, he says, you're going back to sixth week. He said, we're going to have somebody oh. coming by from another platoon, and you're going back to six week, sixth oh. week. And I started crying. Yeah. And I said, uh, oh, I'm, I'm doing it now. I'm crying now. I, I, I said, sir, sir, this is my platoon. I, I've got a graduate of my platoon. This is my platoon, sir. I've worked hard with this platoon. And I just kept saying, this is my platoon, sir. Don't, don't take me away from my platoon. Mm-hmm. And he says, you're going, you're going to the brig. You're going to the brig or you're going back to six weeks. That's that. That was the day before graduation. Wow. And so the next day, I got my foot locker out in front. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, that's not true. I'm 
I'm inside. So I'm not going anywhere from there until somebody comes to get me. Right. I got my footlocker set there, mm -hmm. there and and I'm I, I I'm probably in utilities. Yeah. And in fact, I'm sure I am. I'm in utilities, and one of the drill instructors comes in, and he says, "Hearn, what the hell's wrong with you? You're holding this up again." Oh, what can't you ever do anything right? And he and he reached in behind his back uh -huh. and he pulled he pulled my tropical my, my tropical dress shirt out oh. and mm -hmm. and they had cut the sleeve the seam of the sleeve and put put safety pins in there uh -huh. and he says, "Would you get dressed and get out in formation so we can graduate?" Wow. And uh, I was crying. <laughs> yeah, I'm crying yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I'm crying now, but I I, I graduated with soon 155. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we went off and I graduated and, and uh, <laughs> with a bowling ball in my hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, got to Camp Pendleton, uh, uh went to Tanks, and I uh, was at uh, Las, Las Polgas. Right. Uh, yep. On on the on the creek. Yep. In, yeah. in a Quonset, yep. and uh, I was uh, I was there for probably I was probably there for seven, eight, nine months, something like that. Okay. I I was there long enough that I should have gotten E one, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I was there long enough that I probably should have gotten E two, but yeah. but. For those who would know Las Fogas, is you cross that road, yeah. and there's a, a creek bed down there, and it's lined by eucalyptus. Well, right. I spent a lot of time over there, over there amongst the eucalyptus, um, <laughs> uh, making sure I didn't get promoted. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, uh, I, I I never looked for a fight, never looked for a fight, but. Yeah. You know, somebody somebody wanted one. I I seemed to be the guy who was willing to <laughs> to, <laughs> to oblige them. Yeah. Uh, then uh, we were, we were there. I'm going to say we must have stayed at Las Las. In fact, while we were at Las Las Pogas, we would we would truck out to uh, Las Flores, mm -hmm. which is the, which was the tank park. Right. And. Uh, then uh, probably, well, let's see. I was, let's see, from, yeah, so I guess I want to say that we had moved out there, and we weren't out there very long, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I was, I kept getting assigned to police duty and uh, cleaning up the barracks and all of that, yeah. and, uh, it wasn't very long that uh, I got PFC. Oh, okay. They liked they, they liked my organizational skills. I could take a crew and mm -hmm. get a lot of work done. Yeah. And uh, so I was a. Let's see. Actually, I did not get any promotion there, but but I was I was given a a six by that was mine that was mine. 
to go to the go over to uh, main the main side right. to to get stuff for you know get uh, sheets and you know all those things that you needed mm-hmm. to for the barracks. Right. And uh, they treated me real well. And uh, one day they they came to us. And you know, I I am wrong because we were not at Las Flores. We were still at Las Polgas. Mm-hmm. And Forgive me, it's been a while. No, that's Word came down that there some Marines were going to be going to Vietnam. Okay. And uh, actually, they were going to go to Okinawa. And so I, my platoon sergeant was a fellow by the name of Stinky Davis. Sergeant Stinky Davis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, the minute I heard that uh, they were going to send, we were going to go to Okinawa, uh, boy, I just made a beeline over to hook up with Sergeant Davis, and I said, Sergeant Davis, I said, uh, I, I hear, I hear you're, you're, you're taking, you know, taking volunteers to go to Okinawa. I, sir, I'd like to, I'd like to get on that list. And he said, Hearn, he says, you don't need to do that. Your name was the first one on the list. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, okay, well, great. We got, uh, Went to Okinawa. We were at uh, Camp Hansen. Uh-huh. Um, I was the police sergeant there. Uh-huh. Um, we weren't, let's see, we were there eight months, if I'm oh, not well. mistaken. And, uh, and I was still an E1. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was given duties that would, that would typically be given to somebody with a little higher rank. Right. But, you know, oh well. But it, but I got to do some some fun stuff and and uh, anyway, I, I was living good life and then we heard that uh, that we were that we were going to mount out to Okinawa okay. and again I or, uh, we were we were going to let's see we we're going to go board ship right and uh, again I volunteered and they said Private Hearn you were the first on the list <laughs> and. Uh, off we go, and uh, we we were told we were going to go on a cruise. Or, uh, right. yeah, we were told we were going to go on a cruise, and we're all thinking, you know, hey, that's cool. We might go to the Philippines. We might go <laughs> here. might go there. Uh-huh. And uh, we were out four days, and uh, word came down. Okay. Everybody, everybody down in the well deck. Mm-hmm. All you tankers down in the well deck, and they said uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 0610 in the morning, you are going to make the first landing in Vietnam. Oh, wow. And uh, we were jazzed. This we was, were This was 67, you, right? Or 65? No, this, oh, no, this is no 65. 65, okay. okay. Yeah, th- that day would have been August uh, August 17th because we landed on August 18th oh, okay. at 6, okay. 10 in the morning. So, uh, yeah, they told us we were going to land in Vietnam and we were all pretty jazzed. And uh, so we 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 got in our got our tanks and and uh, started just not just knocked over a pencil holder. Uh, we we uh, we got in our in our down in our tanks and waited and as the uh, as the landing craft mm-hmm. would uh, 
would load us out. We'd get out in the water and the, the craft were, 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 let's see, we had, uh, we had two, in fact, I, in fact, I was a gunner on a flame tank. I should mention that too. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I wasn't on a gun tank. I was on a gunner on a flame tank. And, uh, there were two, two flame tanks. It was the light section of flames. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were, we were on, um, on one of the, the uh, landing craft, uh, Sergeant Carlson, who is a well-known sergeant in tanks, mm-hmm. uh, had a, had a, a, about as bad a reputation for a man as you could have. And the Sergeant oh. Carlson, mm-hmm. cocky, arrogant, belligerent, well. and just disliked by everybody. Yeah. Uh, he was our, our section leader. And so anyway, we, we floated and floated and uh, at, uh, dead on a, on a button, 610 in the morning, we hit the beach mm-hmm. and, uh, we rolled our two tanks off of, off the, the landing craft. Uh, Sergeant Carlson went to the north end of the beach mm-hmm. and effectively what happened is it was, uh, was probably a, a quarter of a mile, maybe three eighths of a mile long beach, and the beach depth was about probably sixty yards deep. Mm-hmm. And in Carlson's case, where he went to the north, mm-hmm. he went up at probably five five hundred yards, six hundred yards, and the beach literally died into the into the jungle, oh. and he was up there. Uh, we went to the south end of the beach, about 500 yards down there. And, uh, we, in fact, it's probably a little more than that, but anyway, we went down to the south. Then they called us back to that landing area and they, they told us, okay, you guys are going to, you guys are going to escort a group of, of infantry. And so what you, we're going to have you two do is you're going to go south down to the beach about 500 yards back down to where my tank had been mm-hmm. for two or three hours time. And he said, then you're going to, you're going to make a right, go inland and, uh, and the war's on. Mm-hmm. We said, cool. So about, uh, 20 minutes later, they said, okay, let's go. Yeah. And Sergeant Carlson turns to the right, mm-hmm. going north up the beach. Right. And he rolls, and, and he, he's the lead tank. He's our section leader. And I, as soon as we started to roll, I mic'd up to Corporal Vickery, and I said, "Corporal Vickery, didn't didn't that captain say we're supposed to go south?" And he said, "Yes, he did." But Sergeant Carlson must know what he's doing. Well, Sergeant Carlson rolled up that beach, and he reached a point where he knew he couldn't go any farther. The beach, beach, he'd run out of beach. So he just simply cranked a hard left and rolled into the jungle. And we rolled for 45 minutes, maybe an hour, something like that. Uh, it was a slow move with the infantry. We were getting just incredible amounts of gunfire, um, lots of, lots of rifle fire. Hadn't, hadn't gotten any ATs, but, uh, we're getting a lot of, I mean, the, the muzzle flashes, the muzzle flashes. And being rather, you know, I, 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 was, 
so scared to death. I'm as scared as I, as afraid as I could be. And and the other thing is, on our mount out, uh-huh. they had given us one and a half boxes of 30 cal, one box of 50 cal. So I had 400 rounds, 350 rounds of 30 cal is all I had. And well, fortunately, I had seven rounds of 45 cal. I had all the 45 cal ammo we had on that, on that tank. And uh, I, had to, I knew I had to be real cautious about burning up my ammo. So, so I, I would just, I, was, I just had to pay serious attention to, to how, I, I, what I did, I guess short story is, I learned to get on anything that was in within 10 to 15 degrees of my gun. I could get my 30 cal on, oh. get off a burst, and I wasn't getting any getting any trace of fire back. So muzzle yeah. flashes back, that traces muzzle flashes back. Yeah, and that probably probably took 25 minutes, 30 minutes, but we, we were we were in a jungle for about an hour or so. Uh-huh. So I got to where you you fired at me, you made a mistake, yeah. and. Uh, we continued to roll, continued to roll, and now we roll out into a rice paddy. And the rice paddy is probably 125 yards wide, something like that, right. by about 200 yards long. And we roll in on, okay, so as we're rolling to this, we, we literally come in on on the bottom left edge of it. So the bulk of it is to our right okay. and out in front of us. We roll out into the into that rice paddy. And uh, Carlson, Carlson is probably 100 yards, something like that, out in front of us and about 20 yards out of the rice paddy. And all of a sudden, bam, I hear it. An 18 round is fired. That AT round, the damage it did was it hit his driver's right front periscope. And it drove the periscope down onto the driver's hand, breaking his hand. And and not not badly, Uh not badly, but but it broke his hand and cut it up a bit. And Carlson yelled, we're hit, we're hit. Abandoned tank. Oh. Well, now he said that, uh-huh. but in fact he didn't abandon tank. What he did was he he said that I'm I'm down in my into my down in my turret now. I'm getting into I'm getting into serious combat position. I'm starting to to look around out there and see what okay what's what do we got here? Yeah, and I see. I see a, a tank coming back. And I said, Corporal Vickery, is that Sergeant Carlson? He says, yeah, he's leaving. Huh? I said, yeah, that's what I said. What? Corporal, he, he's leaving? And I just, I just <laughs> watched through my periscope, just watched this. He took his tank and rolled back out to the beach. Oh, wow. And so now we got one tank. We've got about uh, probably oh, 
when we got into the beach, we probably had 40 or 50, uh, maybe less than that. In, in fact, as I think about it, one thing I left out, and I always do this, I always do this. That's okay. Go ahead. We, we, had, we had an Amtrak in oh. front of us. Oh, okay. It was, we were escorting, actually, it was two, two Amtraks. We were escorting two Amtraks. And when Carlson, when Carlson turned around and left, he left. By that, by that time, we'd been in that rice paddy four or five minutes. Both of those, both of those Amtrak's had, had taken a lot of hits, right. and one of them turned around and was trying to follow uh, Carlson out. Got hit again. Uh, didn't make it out. We there were there were there were two Amtrak's now out in front of us with the drawn fire. Um, I'm looking around and I'm going, well, this sucks. Uh. Um, so I, I just, I said, I'm going to stay in my tank. I'm not getting out of this tank, you know. Yeah. And about three minutes, four minutes later. We've got our, I have the turret turned around to where I, I'm, I'm looking back into that corner we'd come out of, or we'd come into the right side again, okay. because there's a whole bunch of activity back there, flashes, and the firing shoulder-mounted weapons, rockets, they're firing rockets, and uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get down on them, and I can't quite never seemed to be able to pick one up, be able to get my gun down low enough because of how close I was to that corner. Couldn't get the gun down on them. And so I just I just ceased fire. Again, we didn't have much ammo in the first place. And so we're now looking back into the corner we'd come out of. Corporal Vickery has his his TC's hatch up vertical protecting his back mm -hmm. and it didn't do a very good job of protecting his back oh we took we take an anti-tank rocket hits hits that hatch and separates itself and literally takes a, a, a v section the size of a oh just just a three by five section out of his shoulder and his and his face, just a big section out of, out of out of that whole thing, and there's blood everywhere yeah, in the tank, and uh, I, I couldn't believe that he could do it, but he could even he could still speak sort of, and he says, "We're hit, we're hit, abandoned tank," and Vickery jumped out. <laughs> I thought, well, that was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. So I, I, I told my my driver. I said, uh, Vickery just come down past you, and he said, yes, he did. And I said, I tell you what, if you see him try and get back up in there, you let me know because I'm closing this thing up. And I did. Lock lock the hatch. Uh -huh. um, we continued to we continued to to fire and. And we, I reached a point where I was out of ammo, and I, I didn't have any. All I had left was my 
seven rounds of 45 cal. Right. And uh, and we're just we're we're just taking hits and taking hits and taking hits. And none of them, none of the guns that they were using had the capacity to to break through either the hull or the turret. Right. But every once in a while, they hit hit around or near the turret ring. Oh. And I would get, I'd get just black pepper, yeah. smoke and, and fire, just flashes. I mean, I, I, I didn't have any hair left on me to speak of by the time I was, I, I was burned, but not, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't a, a fatal burn, but it was just these flashes in it. It was like being, I described it as being in a flash bulb. When somebody says, smile, whoosh. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, we, we, like I said, I, I stayed in, and now I'm out of ammo. Uh, I'm, I'm getting all this pepper shrapnel, and I just figure, you know what? This, uh, there's no upside to this. I'm, this, this is, this isn't the right place to be either. And out there, so better, but I'm gonna go. Yeah. Seven rounds. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. So I climbed up, turned the turret around, and jumped. I jumped over the out of the tank commander's hatch, right down over the bow of the tank, down onto the into the rice paddy and into the dirt. Mm -hmm. And there was Vickery laying underneath there. And I looked at him and I thought, "Oh crap!" I said, "Are you okay?" And he said, "And and he could speak." Yeah. But he was he he was just pouring blood out. Oh. And so anyway, we. I, I tucked back up underneath that, uh, under the bow uh -huh. beside him, and we laid there for probably, we laid there for probably 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes mm -hmm. underneath there. Yeah. And the one thing that's, that's critical to say is that, uh, um, this this rice paddy I just I described this dimensions mm -hmm. uh, the the unit the Viet Cong unit that was surrounding that rice paddy mm -hmm. on the very next day we landed August 18th on August 19th at 2 a.m. in the morning mm -hmm. that VC unit was going to attack. Lady Bird Johnson's oh. construction project. Oh, oh, wow. Lady Bird Johnson had a construction, the RMK BRJ. I, I mean, the, the, the name Johnson as one of the, one of the, the initials in, in a, in a, uh, a group of, of contractors, joint venture contractors. Uh, I, I've worked for Johnson 15 times with, you know, where they're associated with other contractors, huge contractor, but they were. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to digress a bit here. That's okay. So, Go ahead. so one day, Lyndon Johnson is sitting in his office, and he's just sitting back and kind of leans back in his in his chair, and he says, "He says, you know, you know, Lyndon, well, you know, you ain't always going to be the president, well." If you always going to need money, so how are we going to make some money here when I get out of this office? 
Let me think. Oh, oh, you know what? Mom wants a contractor. Let's see here. Let me see where I can get her a job. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and being a government contract, she, her company, she'd never been there. She was, she'd never made it out. She would never, never went to Vietnam. But, <laughs> but this, it was a B, they were building two B-52 runways. Oh. And on this, on, on this little peninsula, and it's like, there's, there was never going to be a helicopter land on them. There was, ne- it was, it was never going to be used. Yeah. Never. And so anyway, so we, uh, I, I digress. So anyway, so we're, um, let's see. So back to now I'm, I decide, okay, it's time to get out. Yeah. I, I go over the front. I get up, I scoop back up underneath the, the bow of the tank mm-hmm. and I'm just watching and the reason I mentioned Lady Bird Johnson's construction project? Yes. Did I say that at 2 a.m. on August 19th, they were going to attack Lady Bird Johnson's construction project? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. It. Okay. Yeah. I did do that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that was, and, but there was, there were just a whole bunch of them there. The, uh, the tracers. There were tracers in right. every direction. Oh, yeah. They were, they were armed with, uh, every weapon they had, every weapon they had, with the exception of two 88 millimeter anti-tank guns, or, uh, well, they were anti-tank guns, and, and, and actually, I'd never think about it, I think they were probably, yeah, I think they were, 80, they were probably 60 millimeters, okay. but they were, they're buried into, they, they were, Set down in the trench in the middle of that rice paddy. Yeah. But, uh, the, this was the VC's first combat operation too. And the guys on the north side of the rice paddy, they're taking incoming. The guys on the south side, they're taking incoming. We call that return fire. The guys on the east, the west, these VC, they're just, they're just shooting Straight across this rice paddy. They're shooting. They're, they're taking incoming. They don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were, I think that there were supposed to be 900 VC there and there were probably 120 alive when, when they, when somebody got in there to, to see what was going on. You know, once, when they got in the next day, uh, they just, I sure didn't, I shouldn't, sure didn't, shouldn't take out that many. But what I did do mm-hmm. is while I was under the front of my tank, I'm, I'm watching this, this one guy that, that had a three, had a, a 3.5 rocket launcher, one of ours. Like I say, I didn't know everything they had again was, was American made. Mm-hmm. And he had, he'd plinked our tank and plinked our tank and plinked our tank, but, but he was, he was less than 50 feet away. Mm-hmm. He was probably 45 feet away, something like that. He's less than 50 mm-hmm. because he, he had hit our tank probably a dozen times direct hits. And, you know, the, the, the AT guns on the outside, on the other side of the 
the rice paddy. They were the ones that were they were hitting my tank and doing the damage. Uh, you know when they hit that around that turret ring. But anyway, the uh, this guy with his 3.5 rocket launcher just kept whacking us, and so I I told Vickery, I said, "You get back away, get back, get back under there, get get farther out here. You you don't have any ammo, nothing you can do. Just get back here." And I moved over to where he was. And I looked around back at that corner, which is about uh, 45 feet from us. And this guy, I see this guy with the 3.5. Mm-hmm. He fires around up up the convoy to one of the personnel carriers. And then he turns and he looks looks at me. And and he he fires around at us. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, he could see us laying under, behind the track there. He fires around, it skips off, goes off. And so I think, well, I'm not going to sit here and let this guy keep doing this. So I get over where Vickery's at, mm-hmm. and I, I get on my hands and knees, and I lean out as far as I can using the idler, that front idler, mm-hmm. as as a as a, as a shield, if you will, yeah. I lean out there and I look at him, and he's he's loading. He is in the process of loading a that three point five. Uh-huh. I I look at him, I look at him, and he fires fires that three point five, and it goes often. It, it literally goes under the uh, the idler, out the front edge of the idler. And hits in the in the rice paddy mud, probably five or six yards to my right, or you know, probably three or four feet from from the, the front of the tank. Uh-huh. It hits there and it detonates. And when it does, I get a chunk of shrapnel in my face. Oh, that almost knocked my head off. Yeah, and. Uh, it's like, whoa, whoa, wow. And I think, well, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And I just figure, okay, you piss me off. And I've only, I only, only had, had, uh, I had to, let's see, what did, what did I say? I did a save, I had seven rounds. I think I had nine rounds total. Okay. I had an extra magazine. I had, so, so I am down to, from what I'd fired at these guys that would come up with these, there were two 88 millimeter guns out in the middle of the rice paddy. I, I, I had, tr- I would try and plink them and I couldn't, I don't think I could hit the Amtrak that was 25 feet in front of me with that 45. But anyway, I, I wait until, I wait until this guy sets up to fire another, another 3.5 and I lean out in front. I lean out and I lean out in front and he pulls the tube back down on me and he fires another 3.5 and the instant that thing it went by me and hit about 30 yards past me on the rice paddy and the minute he fired that I ran down on him he, he, there was in that corner they they dug a little trench in that corner and uh, that's what they were, they were working out of on the edge in that little corner edge I run down in there, and there were there were three VC in there. Oh, and 
And so when I run down on them, I stop right on the edge. The loader is pushing another rocket into the tube. Uh-huh. And the, the, the gunner is staring up at me. The loader's staring up at me. The other guy's staring up at me. And I j- literally just shot the three of them in the top of the head. Yeah. I, I ran back to my tank, counted my ammo. I had four left and I had five, I had five left. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do now? And I thought, well, well, shit. You're going to die, buddy. Might as well die. Die without any ammo. I went, I waited, waited until the, the closest 88 millimeter fired, a, fired off a couple of rounds. Uh-huh. And the instant they fired those, I ran it. It was probably close to 40 yards out into the rice paddy. I ran out, out over to the top of that, the top edge of that. And I shot the two guys that were in there on the top of the head, uh-huh. ran back to my tank, waited, waited. The guys, on, there were three guys in the farthest one, which is another 20 yards, 20 to 25 yards past those, the two. Yeah. Waited until they fired, ran out, shot them in the top of the head, burned up my last rounds. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and, and and it begs the question. You know, you run. Why would you run out there in the middle of the race? Well, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going home to mom that night anyway. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I was not going to die with any ammo left. Yeah. I got back. Got back to the tank, and when I got on my way back to the tank, I spotted. I, I spotted something that was that was normally you wouldn't think about looking for. But one of the Amtraks had turned around and had was coming, was trying to get back to us and had gotten hit and was on fire. And they'd opened their, the, the ramp and laying over the top of that ramp mm-hmm. was a Marine laying over that dead. Oh. But what I noticed is that when I ran by that Amtrak, it, it was mired down in the mud enough that there was only about six inches max freeboard. Oh, wow. And I thought, you know what? I can't see under there. If I can't see under there, they can't see under there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I went back, and I got Vickery grabbed him. I pointed, grabbed him, pointed. Took took way too long, <laughs> you know, for a guy with no ammo. It took way too long for him to figure it out. But he he finally got it, and he. He he followed me. He'd, he'd go down and drag him. He'd get up. He followed me, and we ran about, about 35 yards, 40 yards across that rice paddy. Tracers everywhere. Got to the front of that Amtrak. I dropped down on my hands and knees, swam, if you will, in that in that in that mud. Swam back in there. Vickery followed me under there. We got back in there. Got turned around. Cleared out some room under there. I went back up, pushed up a berm back in there, tried to tried to, to 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 make it so that you wouldn't know somebody was under there or couldn't see us. And uh we laid there for about five hours. Mm-hmm. And uh well, so we just we just watched the battle go on. They continued to fire those what when I burned up my last round, that yeah. was the last round an American had. 
and uh, wow. they 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 continued to fire for like I say three to five hours, yeah. long time, long time. Yeah. And then there there came a point where I heard a voice in the jungle that was beyond this rice paddy we're in that in that opposite side of the rice paddy from where we come in. I hear a voice. And, and he, it's, it takes a minute to figure out what he's trying to do, but he's trying to get everybody to stop shooting. Oh, okay. He's trying to get his VC, quit shooting, quit shooting, cease fire. He's trying to do that. And he's yelling and yelling and yelling. And it takes two or three minutes for it to just drop to a, just a, a, a little bit of gunfire. And then finally you can hear his voice. I don't speak Vietnamese, yeah. but what he was doing was, and I, I, uh, I speak about his voice for a reason, because he he was telling everybody ceasefire, ceasefire, ceasefire. So everybody does. Uh-huh. Probably 15 minutes later, no more than that. Probably 35 minutes later than that. We got now. We've got VC wandering, trying to try to scavenge anything they can, and I'm, we're just back there, and we're just you know we're we're, we're looking at feet, three feet, four feet from us, uh-huh. uh, bare feet, you know, and, and we're just we're just uh, we, we cover ourselves in as much mud as we can. Only thing that that I don't have that's not covered with mud is is my eyes and my mouth, right. and we're just laying there and laying there. And I hear that voice. I hear that voice, and I recognize whose whose voice it is. Yeah. I hear him, and he's coming at our Amtrak. And I'm going, oh shit! And he comes. He he comes up with two. There, he's got two other VC with him. Uh-oh. And. I think I told you there was a Marine, dead Marine laying over that top of the ramp. Yeah. He, yeah. he gives them direction. And while he's doing it, that's when I, okay. Yeah. That's his voice. That's the guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the dude. He is the dude. No question about it. These two VC try to jump and jump and jump and three, four times they try, can't do it. And so I think, okay, good. They're going to go away. Well, they don't. No. That VC commander. I'll call him a, I'll call him a, 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 a captain. Uh-huh. He, he has been, you know, he's, he's, his left shoulder is up against the ramp. And if you will, and he's kind of on the, um, he, he is on, as, as, as if you were in that Amtrak, He's on the right-hand edge outside of it, and he's standing out in the rice paddy, literally standing almost right up against the ramp. Uh-huh. And he's giving these guys direction, and finally they, he says, you know, okay, quit it, quit it. That ain't going to work. And then I see, visualize this. I see his feet step Back to where he is now looking directly so at that ramp from a foot and a half away. I 
in the middle of the ramp. He's not looking at the ramp. He's looking down. He's looking down at the tracks I made getting into there. Oh, yeah, they're great. Yeah. And I'm going, oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Well, folks, we're going to pause here at the end of episode 32, part one. Part two will be posted shortly. You will be able to find out what happened with Jerry and Corporal Vickery. Thanks for listening. Look for part two. Semper Fi.